So, speaking of youth on Thursdays, shameless plug here, um, right now we are doing a series on fear and worry, and so I thought it was appropriate to uh, carry this over into Sunday a little bit, but add, you know, a little bit more mature twist to it for you guys. So I have a question for you. What is your biggest fear? Now, when, when I asked our young people this, um, as you can imagine, think back to when you were 12 and 13 years old. Some of it was things like spiders, snakes, sharks, deep water. Yeah, needles are on that list. Um, and, and it's okay to chuckle at these because I think even our teenagers know in the moment as, as they said it, they're like, this sounds like a very ridiculous fear to have. But things like talking to someone of the opposite gender, girls talking to boys and boys talking to girls. It's a little terrifying, especially when you're 12 and 13. Fears of going to high school or fears of graduating high school and what comes after that when you're no longer in this routine and you kind of get to have more of a say in what, what you do in life. One of my biggest fears, and, and I say this a little reluctantly because I know that Halloween is literally next week, and um, I know that I do this to a lot of people. I like to pull pranks on people, and so I, at some point in time, I know that it's going to come back to me, but one of my biggest fears is spiders. Like, I hate spiders. I don't think you understand the depth of this fear. It is so bad, friends, that if I am on one side of our house and Brandon is on the other and I find a spider, I like yell and scream until he comes to kill it. And if he's not home, one of two things happens. Either I run and hide to the other end of the house so I don't have to see it, or, or I leave the house, yes, I've done that before too. Um, or I like MacGyver a contraption with my vacuum and every extension that I can find, toilet paper tube, paper towel tube, so that I can get as far away from that spider and suck it up in the vacuum cleaner without getting close to it. And then if I miss it and it falls, I just run. It's bad. Um, in fact, in, in our basement, we have a, a small washroom, and it's notorious for housing these eight-legged spawns of Satan. Um, and I refuse to use this bathroom. Brandon will tell you, it's a, it's a little bit insane. And I know the whole argument of spiders are more afraid of you than you are of them. And they eat the bug, the bad bugs that you don't want in your house. I know all that. On paper, it doesn't make sense. You can even say it's a little irrational. You can laugh at this. I know. I know how crazy this fear of spiders is. Yeah, Rona, what's your biggest fear? Yeah, they're creepy. They're creepy. Man, some of the stories of spiders that I could tell you, oh, bleh. This one time, quick side, sidebar here. In our apartment before we moved here, was bad for spiders. And a, a spider had laid a nest in between our shower curtain, like our cloth one and our plastic one. And Brandon went in in the, in the morning because I was like, I know that there's spiders in there. I need you to rid the bathroom of spiders before I go in. And he didn't come back. And I could hear him like, for a solid 15 minutes. I'm like, okay, what is going on? So he hears me come to the door. And he's like, don't come in. Why? 
there was a spider's nest in between the shower curtains, and they're literally crawling up the walls and across the roof. And the roof is black because of how many spiders are in here. Yeah. 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 But all, all joking aside, there are fears in life that are much bigger than spiders and snakes and sharks and deep water and needles and, and all of those things. The things that we know on paper really are not going to harm us that if we're smart and we're wise, you know, a needle brings us medicine or it does tests to make us healthy. Spiders eat the bad bugs that we don't want around. Snakes, if you leave them alone, typically they'll leave you alone. You know, the whole, the whole thing. There's things that are bigger than that. And, and those are the kind of things, the fears that we don't like to talk about very often. Things like the fear of death, fear of failure, fear of disappointing someone that we love or care about, someone that we look up to. Sometimes we fear losing something or someone that's important to us. Maybe it's fear of a marriage crumbling or fear of being alone. See, these are the kind of fears and worries that keep us awake at night, that we don't tell people because if we do, they look at us like, oh, well, what do you have to worry about? These are the things that deep down in our subconscious control some of the decisions that we make and how we live day to day. Now, if you didn't know, um, if you have one of those fears, you're in good company because we, we all, if I went around this room and I asked, everybody deep down, whether they want to admit it or not, has one of those things. And even through the Bible, fear is a very common thread. It's, it's something that we read about over and over and over again. In fact, in the Bible, the words fear not or do not be afraid, depending on your translation, are mentioned 365 times. One reminder for every single day of the year to not be afraid. One of my favorite um, stories about fear and overcoming fear in the Bible comes from Matthew chapter 14, 22 to 23. Um, and that's where we're going to be camping today. So if you've got a Bible with you, if you've got it on your phone, your device, if you're at home watching it, watching today's worship experience. Um, that's where we're going to camp out in Matthew 14, 22 to 33. So while you find that, let me set the scene for you. So right before this passage of Scripture, um, the disciples witnessed this incredible miracle where Jesus takes a little boy's lunch of two fish and five loaves of bread and feed 5,000 people. And it's incredible because not only is he telling people about the kingdom of God and he's teaching them about God and how to live for him and what, what is to come through Jesus being on earth, he provides for their needs. And, and not just in a simple way of like, oh, here's a snack to get you through until you get home. The disciples actually bring back 12 full, full baskets of leftovers. And it's almost as if Matthew in writing this and, and pointing that out is saying, look, disciples, what your, whatever your needs are, God's going to provide for you. And, and not just like, here's a snack, but in abundance. And the disciples witnessed this miraculous event happening. Like, this, this is insane. And right after that, Jesus says, okay, you know what, we're done here. Let's go get in the boats. I'm going to go pray, and I'll catch up with you later. So let's pick, it up, pick up the story in Matthew 14, 22 to 33. Immediately he, 
that being Jesus, made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat by this time was a long way from land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. In the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the, wa- walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It's a ghost! It's very fitting with Halloween next week. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Peter answered him, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me! Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind seized, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I just thank you and praise you for what your Spirit's already done here this morning. I thank you for your word and the truth that it holds about who you are, what you're doing, and what you've done. God, would you bless today's message? Would you open our ears and and open our hearts to what you have to say to us? Um, May the words on my lips not be my own, but be of you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. So, there's a lot in here. Let's let's unpack this a little bit. So, for starters… Jesus, this all-knowing, almighty person, sends the disciples, his closest buddies, out into open water. He knows what they're going to be facing out there. It's not a surprise to him. He knows that the wind and waves are going to be hitting the boat, and, and they're going to be experiencing some level of fear. And he does this while he goes off to a secluded place to pray, to recharge, and have his time alone with the Father. Scholars believe that by the time Jesus had finished praying that the boat would have been about halfway across the sea, across this body of water that they were traveling on. Um, And verse 25 actually tells us that in the fourth watch of the night, which would have been somewhere between that 3 a.m., 6 a.m., early dusk time of day, or early dawn time of day, um, was when Jesus actually made it back to the boat. None of this was a surprise to Jesus. He, he knew exactly what he was sending them into. He knew what they had been de- dealing with by the time he reached the boat. He knew the fears that they had um, as they crossed the open water and nothing more than a very meek fishing boat with moderate sail and some paddles. He knew what they were up against. And, and there's comfort in, in knowing that because he knows what we're up against too. Those fears, those worries that we carry, that we hold on to in, in our hearts and we don't tell anybody about, he knows. And, and he's not surprised by that. He's not surprised by our worries. He's not afraid of our fears because he sees all those things. And not in a creepy way of like, I knew what you did last summer. But in that, like, the comforting way of, I know and I'm there with you and I'm going to be there with you through it all. So the disciples, they find themselves in this storm and, you know, like that's kind of terrifying enough. I know that there's a number of fishermen, like I'm looking at Frank back there, that I'm sure if I, if I gave Frank the mic, he could tell me of a number, number of times that he's been out on the water and the waves have gotten 
kind of intense. But skilled fishermen, skilled boatsmen knows how to navigate in, in a storm. And these were skilled fishermen. They were used to being on a boat. And even they were afraid. But they're not just afraid because of the wind and the waves. Like, that's part of it. But yet, you see, in Greek culture, they, they believed that underneath these bodies of water were the gates of Hades, the gates of hell. And so when they turn around and they see this figure on the water, they're not thinking, oh, it's Casper the Friendly Ghost here to say, hey. They're thinking this thing is not here with good intentions. This is here to harm us. We're not coming out of this. We are going to die out here. But then there's this familiar voice that calls out to them. Take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. And it's important to note the way that Jesus says this because it's not just, chill out dudes, it's your boy, Jesus. Well, you know, the sassy part of my brain wants to think that maybe that, that could have come out. The way in which he says this isn't just saying, I'm a familiar face, I'm, I'm the person that you've been hanging around. What he's actually saying um, echoes what, what God says to Moses in Exodus chapter 3 when Moses is approaching the burning bush and he asks, like, who am I talking to? And God says, I am. I am that I am. So what Jesus is saying here isn't, isn't just don't be afraid. What he's saying is you're in good hands. I am the God of your forefathers who pro proved to be faithful over and over and over again. The same God that you read about in stories, that's who is standing in front of you right now walking on the water. I'm the Lord over all creation and I'm on your side here. Look, I'm literally standing on the gates of hell and ain't nothing touching me. I'm not here to harm you. I'm not here to create fear. I'm in control. So you don't need to be afraid because I am with you. Then we've got Peter. Oh, Peter. This is the Katie translation. Um, I like to imagine Peter as that really sassy guy in the friend group, the one that will say it like it is, but he'll say it with a little extra attitude. Peter is this impulsive, speak first, think later, larger than life disciple. And I feel like he almost is like, oh yeah? I'm gonna dare this figure that's coming towards us. If that's really you, Jesus, just watch, just watch. If that's really you, tell me to come out on the water. We'll see what happens. And of course, Jesus is like, challenge accepted, come. You see, for those of you that might be watching online and, and you have no idea who I am, um, my job, my primary role here at the church is that I work with the kids and the teenagers. Um, and so even in the public school where I work when I'm not here, I see a lot of this same like flight or fight response, this like um, daring, edging on behavior. And it, it almost feels like when there's a playground bully and the bully stares, stares a kid down and goes, I hate you, I'm gonna punch you in the face. And one kid's response is to run away and cower in fear, that flight mechanism that we all have. And the other kid's response is, 
Well, yeah. I'd like to see you try. You gotta catch me first. And I feel like that's what Peter's doing here. He's like, if I'm going down, I am going down swinging. Nobody's gonna stop me. And you know, there's a moment where I would like to think that I'd be like Peter too, um, with this boldness and this determination. But in actuality, when I think about it, I'm probably more likely to be like the disciples and be sitting back a little bit scared and going, I don't know about this. This is not a good idea. But you're about to make a really bad mistake. Mm -mm. And so there goes Peter over the side of the boat, proudly walking on the water towards Jesus. But at some point, his focus shifts. And it's no longer like running towards the thing. It's not running towards Jesus. He stops and he's looking around and he goes, oh, oh dang. That wind's pretty strong. His waves are pretty high. He starts to sink. And just like many of us in, in life circumstances, Peter's met with this combination of rebuke and encouragement. Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And, and it's almost like Jesus isn't just saying this to just Peter. He's saying this to the whole lot of the disciples. You, all of you, not just Peter, you've seen me work. You've, you've prayed the prayers with me. You've gone on the journey with me. You've done the things with me. You've seen the miracles happen right in front of you. And... And that's all the faith that the 12 of you could muster up? Like one guy getting out of the boat? And then he failed? Really? Really? Oh, my friends, why did you doubt? I'm right here, and you have nothing to worry about. I was and am still in control. Same God of your forefathers that provided, that's still me. You know, I feel like these words hit all of us on a certain level, um, especially those of us who have been around church for a good season of life. Um, we've seen God provide. We've seen him be faithful. We've seen him at work. And we've experienced his faithfulness in the past. If I, if I asked and handed the microphone around the room, which cord's not very long, but sure, we, we could make it work. If I asked you to tell me about a time that God showed up and did something incredible in your life. We would run out of time. We'd be here until later in the evening sharing stories. And yet, it's so easy to sit in church on a Sunday or watch online from home or, or from work or wherever we're watching from with those fears and worries clenched tightly in our hands. And believing that these impossible situations that we've been holding on to, these fears, that they're never going to change. That this is just how it always will be. That our deepest fears and our worries somehow become this horrendous reality. That the worst case scenarios actually come to happen. And yet the voice of our Savior says otherwise. He's saying, I'm with you in this. Trust me because I know the outcome. I hold life and death in my hands. And everything in between. 
Remember that old children's song? He's got the whole world in his hands. Whole world. I won't sing. I'm not that great at singing. I'll leave that to Greg and, and Judy. Um, but the, the same truth that we sing in that song, that we sung as kids, that we teach children to sing, the same truth in that, that God holds the whole world in his hands, is still true for us today as adults. He hasn't left us or forsaken us. He's still for us, not against us. And he doesn't want us to live in fear and anxiousness. What he wants is for us to experience life and life abundantly. So what I find incredibly interesting here, and and many times I have read this story, and many times I have overlooked it. We go, okay, Peter walks on water. Great example of faith, Peter. And even when we mess up, there's grace. And then they get in the boat and everything's hunky-dory. What we look over is that Jesus actually addresses their fear before he addresses the circumstances that's causing it. It's not until he gets into the boat, after he has uttered the statement, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? It's not until he gets into the boat that things calm down. And so for us, if in, in our circumstances, if we want to see a change happen, if we want to not live in fear and anxiousness, to not carry those worries, there's some, some action on our part. There's things that we have to do. And I don't say that implying that it's possible for us to pray enough or to fast long enough we can't do more or give more or any, anything like that to rid us of our fears. Nothing that we do can ch- change our circumstances other than running to Jesus. Something happens internally when we make that conscious decision to follow God and put our trust in him. To, to offer up our lives, every part of it, as a, as a living sacrifice to God, and say, God, every part of this, my strengths, my weaknesses, and everything in between, it's yours. See, the solution isn't bravery or running full tilt towards danger. It's not that fight mechanism. And it's also not running and hiding and cowering in fear until it's safe. Because the only safe place, friends, and and many of you know this already, the only safe place is in the presence of God. But it's also the most dangerous place because in God's presence, he begins to work in our heart. And he'll ask us to do things, he'll ask us to go to places that will radically change our life. He'll challenge what you believe, what you think, what you do, the way that you live and act. He may ask you to give something up in order to receive a gift that's far greater than anything we can ask or even imagine. And so today, as we kind of wrap up um, our worship experience today, let me just encourage you that whatever situation you're facing, whatever's causing you fear and restlessness, whatever worries or burdens you're carrying, today, decide to place them in the hands of a Savior who can do immeasurably more than anything we can ask for or imagine. I encourage you to pursue God first and allow him to work out the details of what follows next. 
See, the disciples watched Jesus' miracles firsthand. They watched him walk on the water. They watched him calm the storm right before their very eyes. And their response wasn't to sit there and go, says that they worshiped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. So today, as, as we go from here and you continue to ponder and digest all that we've sung about, all that we've talked about, all that we've heard, may your decision be to worship the Lord. Run full tilt towards him. Not towards the fear, like if your fear is being alone, don't run into the woods and be isolated. Run towards Jesus. If your fear is losing someone you love, run towards Jesus. Um, I would hate to end today and not give an opportunity to make a decision to follow Christ. Um, for those of you watching online, because you're already at a, a, on your phone, on a computer, watching from a device, um, one of the easiest ways that we would love to continue the conversation with you is through our website. Um, you can go online to thenorthshore.church slash follow, um, and there's a little button that says, I made a first-time decision to follow Jesus, and an option, um, I want to rededicate my life. And so in a moment, I'm going to pray, and, and if that's you, you don't have to raise your hand, you don't have to pray this prayer out loud, because God sees our hearts, first and foremost. But we would love, um, as pastors and our, and our board and our lead team here at the church, we would love to follow up with you and, and celebrate with you because that's a big deal. I tell our teenagers every Thursday when we make that um, salvation call, that there's this celebration in heaven when we choose to follow God over our own ways and our own thoughts and ideas of how life should go. So in a moment, I'm going to pray, and, and if that's you, let me just encourage you to pray this along with me in your heart, under your breath, out loud if you want to, but Ultimately, this is a decision between you and God. So let's pray together. Gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you and I praise you for what you've been doing this morning. I thank you for the truth and encouragement that comes from your word and comes from knowing you. God, the fears, the worries, the anxieties, the burdens, the things that we carry. In this moment, God, we give it over to you. And may this be a daily decision to hand those situations over to you, to declare you Lord over our marriage, over our family, over our job, over our home, over our community, over our health. You are Lord over all. And so God, whatever is weighing us down, you already know what it is. And we give it over to you, Lord. For those who today are making a decision to follow you for the first time or the first time in a while. God, we thank you and we praise you with excitement. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would surround them and comfort them in the situations that they're facing. We give you all the glory, Lord. We thank you and praise you for what you've done this morning and what you're going to do in the days to come. In your name we pray. Amen.